Radio Show. Welcome along to the latest in season two. See, I've definitely oh, stopped no, counting now. Oh, no, we stopped counting. It's I, number eight, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Do you want to make a big thing of it? Disappointed though? now. <laughs> it's been a big week, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Memorable, yeah. I think, so. Indeed, yes. Uh, the visit of uh, Cholton for the first so-called Wonder of Wickham uh, um, uh, fixture. Nice day for it. I'm surprised they didn't get an Elvis impersonator to come on and sing The Wonder of Wickham. Oh, no, don't suggest that. There'll be, there'll be one there. There will, actually, yeah. yeah. So we, we had the daytime fireworks, which were quite interesting. Um, and then fireworks on the pitch from Gareth McCleary, uh, even though it was a bit nervous towards the end. Yes, because you need, need a bit more than a goal, ideally, don't you? Indeed, yes. Uh, yeah, it was very... But it was OK. But lifted us up the table. It did, indeed. So we'll be looking back at that. We'll hear from the goal scorer and the manager as well. Uh, also this evening, uh, something happened on Tuesday, didn't it? It did, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, a, lo- a lot of fans queued up to get tickets. No, no, we won't, we won't be looking at that bit of it. Uh, uh, eventually they did get into the stadium and hopefully they, they did get in in time to see Wickham's goal uh, as we were one of the rare teams to take the lead at the Etihad Stadium. Yeah, not many have done that. No, exactly. Maybe we won't then mention what happened in the, the remaining 70, no, how many minutes was it? 65 minutes or so. Oh, I finally the game finished after 22 oh, minutes. wouldn't that be great? That would, that would have been really good. FIFA passing a new law that says games will, from now on, or from the last game, be 22 minutes in duration. We need to Man City to rage quit, I understand it's called, on, on FIFA. Oh, really? You're looking at me as if you yeah. haven't got a clue what that is. Ooh, rage yeah. quit? Yes, rage quit. If you're an Xboxer or... or an Xboxer, an just a former boxer. <laughs> Former boxer Frank Bruno. Oh, I should read. Yeah, I uh, should read up on that. There you go. Uh, quit. Uh, what else have we got coming up this week? <laughs> it's an education this program, isn't it? Uh, also, in our ex-player slot, uh, we'll be chatting to a former captain and uh, former central defender as well, Anton Vixhouse, uh, who you might remember from uh, playing at Lokes Park in the eighties, or perhaps Adams Park in the early nineties. And we will also be hearing from Wickham chairman Rob Kuhick. He spoke to Phil Catchpole about the Derby situation. Uh, we will be finding out uh, uh, what he thinks about that. Uh, many thanks to Phil, as always, uh, who, of course, has his own wonderful podcast called Ringing the Blues, uh, which is good to see is back um, this Very much week. So. Yes, so, so do download that as well, as well as listening to us. So you mentioned download and rage quit. This is I very know. High tech, isn't it, this show? <laughs> You're going to say something about down with the kids in a minute, aren't you? <laughs> no, because I was really old then. Oh, good. Okay. So let's take you back, as they don't say, uh, to Saturday and a fantastic home game. As you say, it was it was quite uh, highly promoted as well, wasn't it? It was. Yes, it was. Uh, as a it was wonder the, of Wickham. It was a wonder of Wickham fixture, the first one, um, and we had fireworks before the game, which I think everyone wondered how that was going to work. But actually, it was quite impressive. Um, if you were in the what I always called old main stand, uh, which I think is now called is it the priest. Some, oh, I don't know. Priest, uh, the Sonus stand or something. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Don't worry, cut uh, it out. The, the, you know, yeah, indeed. Uh, the, the side where the dugouts are. That's it. If you were over that side when the fireworks went off, it was quite warm. Oh. <laughs> just, just a Should little bit. Should have brought some marshmallows. Uh, I was, yeah, uh, the, definitely. They, they, would have been, they would have been slightly burnt, to be honest. <laughs> oh. Uh, so we had the exciting fireworks. Uh, which sadly our visitors from South London didn't think very much of, but I thought were, were very impressive. They were only uh, jealous. I, indeed, yes, they were. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they didn't think much of that, and actually their, their afternoon got worse from there on. Uh, mainly courtesy of Gareth McCleary, uh, who once again was absolutely fantastic for the Chairboys. He's in fantastic form, of course. He's yes. already now scored four goals this season. Uh, I'm really, really good, good to see. Uh, that he's actually, quite speedy, isn't he? He's, he is slightly terrifying. Uh, to, you know, I would imagine if you are, are an opposing defender... Uh, 
because he does just have that that pace that actually means that yes he, he suddenly sort of goes up a couple of gears and, and just disappears from the defenders uh, and then he's able to, to bend the ball very well uh, as he did for the first goal absolutely and uh, you were there as well I was yes. ask me how I know that uh, how do you know that because you spoke to Gareth oh, after yes, the game in the 90 minutes was totally ours you know really really well deserved you know and, and I thought that um uh, we played some fantastic stuff going forward today. Really, really good. Been working hard on it. You know, Richard Dobson puts his sessions on around the edge of the box. I'll, I'll get him to the edge of the box, and I'll, I'll make sure that um, you know we're, we're doing our jobs defensively, and and uh, and then you know some of the individual play around the box. You can't coach. You can't coach what Gareth McCleary did. He's just got that in the bag, and and it was a fantastic start and much deserved goal as well. We we could have had three or four. I thought in that first half. Uh, I wish we had of it. Wouldn't have been so nervy at the end, but um, it was uh, it was a you know, a real full-blooded League One game and Charlton Athletic under Nigel Adkins will not be where they are right now in the, in the end of the season. They'll be right up there, I'm sure. And uh, we'll see what happens um, with Wickham. But, you know, big big focus now on, on MK Dons with obviously the Man City game in between. Um, I'll, be, I'll be looking forward to going up there and give, being competitive and giving it all and trying to win that game. But, again, I don't want to risk anything for MK Dons with injuries or, or um, whatnot. We we've gotta make sure that we are competitive in every single game. This can't be this can't be our cup tie this season. This is you know, excuse the pun, you know, that can't be our big day. We've got thirty nine more big, big days and uh, I wanna make sure that we, we take every one of them. And I think the fact that it is MK Dons or, uh, on next Saturday, uh, you and I have spoken recently about Blackburn Burnley. This is another one of those Wickham Derby games that I think all the fans really want to win. Oh, they're loving it, aren't they? The MK Dons fans will probably say we're not their Derby as well, but unlucky, we, we're close now. And, uh, and people are starting to respect us. People will probably want us as their rivals soon because we, uh, we're a good side. But um, you know, everyone, everyone just looks at us as this long ball team and, and this set player team but keep billing us as that because uh, you underestimate these boys because they're a fantastic bunch they work so hard uh, and I'm real proud to be the manager it's that underdog tag isn't it you hear him talk and you think they really relish that definitely they do and I think they feel a bit strange when actually it doesn't apply as, as it's not going to apply to certain games this season no of course um, but you know certainly yes it, it did uh, maybe not so much on Saturday uh, because obviously Cheltenham are struggling a lot uh, and uh, they really didn't let their feelings about Paul Nigel Adkins known at the end uh, most Wickham fans won't have seen that uh, because I was then obviously hanging about uh, at the end uh, to speak to, to Gareth uh, but Paul Nigel Adkins uh, came out rather quickly to do his, his press engagements while still some of the Cheltenham fans were leaving um, and yes it, it was a little bit feisty shall we say uh, and the stewards had to make sure that they were, were in the way um, yes between Nigel and the Cheltenham fans but venting they weren't very happy oh um, uh, but then of course we, we move on to, to Tuesday where we were very much the underdogs yes but first oh I... yes sorry no, you've, you've, we've got a bit of, of, of other Gareth haven't we yes. Gareth with an A yes absolutely not Gareth with an E <laughs> he was speaking after the game as well two, another two goals at Adams Park yep. seems to be a regular occurrence now isn't it uh, yeah it was good to obviously good to score just before half time um, but it was a great shift by all the boys uh, I know obviously I scored the goals but it's a credit to everyone from defence goalkeeper midfield and second uh, players that didn't play as well we push every day in training um, and yeah we're just thankful we got to win I mean obviously another solid performance from the team but there was a little scare at the end wasn't there yeah there was yeah it, it was a little scare um, but as, as we've seen many a times Stocko um, 
saved us on a couple of occasions and some last ditch uh, defending which um, we work on quite a bit so uh, yeah we know it's going to happen in games but um, we need to take the rough of the smooth and it takes you up to four goals for the season you must be feeling in amazing form right now yeah, feeling good form, um, but as long as we're playing well and winning games, uh, that's the main thing. It's not really um, a personal thing for me. Uh, all I want to do is win games and uh, get as high up the table as possible. Four goals, though, is, is good, isn't it, so far? It is. It's very impressive. I think, you know, we, we have found one of the players uh, to, to replace Uch. Um, yes. And, you know, also, obviously, Bayo, who isn't playing as, as much as he was. No, definitely. Now we move on to Tuesday. Sorry, yes. Now we can move on to Tuesday. Um, and yes, our little trip to the Etihad Stadium, um, which I, I think probably, I think it's fair to say, uh, went better than any of us could have expected. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, y- yes, I know the final score was, was 6-1. I, I, I thought our friends at the Bucks Free were a little bit harsh uh, putting the word thrashing in there. Yeah, I know 6-1 is a thrashing. But it didn't, if you were there, it didn't feel like that at all. It, it felt like a small victory, the fact that actually we managed to take the lead. Um, and you know, and and did actually play some quite good stuff for for a while. Of course, eventually Man City's talent um, showed, but that's what you expect against a team like Manchester City. And seeing the images afterwards, what it meant to obviously that the group of players who were sort of celebrating the goal, and also uh, for Brandon, obviously getting his first, uh, and where he got it as well at, at that yeah, ground. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he will, he will always be able to say that now. Um, the fact that Bayo went off to a standing ovation mm. from you know from all four sides of the ground, uh, it was yeah the, you know. What, what was not to like about it yes okay the result wasn't great nobody likes to have six put past them but actually to see Wickham play against what is one of the best teams in the world uh, and actually take the lead was just brilliant and to be on your I think we could call it farewell tour uh, as he yeah. is <laughs> to, to be true. described yes. by what Pat last dance <laughs> exactly yeah. the last dance legendary striker in, in the English game was quite something as well yeah yeah re- really was um, and lovely to see I, I mean the, the people in front of me were, were speculating on how long Bayer would, would play for and were saying oh you know he'll probably come off after half an hour the fact that he played he played a full hour at the Etihad uh, was, you know was very impressive and before and after the game he, he was getting selfies with both sets of fans <laughs> as well which, which again not many players would, would, yeah. would do that it, indeed you know that was absolutely lovely to see um, and yes okay they might have got some superstars in their team but we, we've got some superstars in ours as well as Gareth mentioned in his post-match press conference in the, uh, in the plush surroundings of, uh, of the Etihad Stadium wow with their front five um and and I'm not disrespecting their back five. They were awesome as well. You know, they they had a brilliant team out tonight. Um, some of the future players here are, are going to be superstars. Um, but the superstars on show really made the difference. You know, and uh, and we learned a lot tonight. But we we had that moment. We had that moment on 22 minutes. Uh, Brandon Hanlon's first goal to the club for the club in front of the Wickham fans away at the Etihad. It is fairy tale stuff for him. And and I think we led for. About five minutes, uh, I'll uh, I'll take the positive there. But um, we definitely uh, we're up against it for the rest of the game. And and you know, good luck to Man City. They they're a fantastic outfit with a brilliant manager in charge. And uh, and I'm hoping that um, at the end of the season, we're saying we got beat by the winners. And uh, Gareth, uh, lastly, for me, did uh, have you did you exchange words words of Pep uh, with Pep at full time? And what did he say to you? Um, he he complimented me and said um, he'd love to share a glass of wine with me and uh, I will definitely be taking that offer up and hopefully learning a little bit more a bit uh, a bit less severe than my players tonight though so um, we'll uh, we'll hopefully share a nice drink and uh, and like I say I can only wish Manchester City uh, all the best in the future.
Thanks, Jim. James? Hi, Gareth. How are you doing? Not bad, thank you. Uh, commiserations for tonight, but just a quick word on your team's performance today. They did hold their own for, for the vast majority of it, and Brandon Hallam, what a moment to get his first goal for the club in front of the away supporters. Um, what were your overall views on tonight's match? Yeah, I think vast majority has been very kind to us. You know, I think um, we maybe held our own for half an hour. Um, and then the other 60 minutes definitely belong to Man City. You know, you give the ball away sometimes, and you don't see it again for three or four minutes. And usually, it's a it's a shot on your goal when you see it again. You know, so it's uh, it's a real tough uh, tough place to come. But Brandon uh, scores his first goal in unbelievable, you know, circumstances. We sign him from Bristol Rovers. Um, we pay money for Brandon, and I can't thank. Rob and Pete and Missy Couric enough for that, the backing that they've given me to bring players like Brandon in. And I'm hoping that we will repay them with uh, with performances um, like we had Saturday against Charlton. And the first 20 minutes, I thought we were, you know, we were well worth uh, well worth some respect. But um, it's a tough place to come. I spoke to Sam Volks after the game and he came here with Burnley many times and uh, said... It's not much different when you come with a Premier League side. The the Man City boys they run the show, and uh, and it was brilliant, brilliant performance by City. And Pep in his press in his uh, in his press conference was very complimentary of Wickham. Described that Bale was a legend. He was very complimentary of yourself. Um, how does that make you feel, Gareth? Yeah, I, um, I try and do things the right way, and we try and do the things the right way at Wickham Wanderers. And for somebody of that stature to uh, to compliment us on that uh, means it's all worthwhile. I've got so much respect for, for Pep Guardiola. I think he's a, he's a fantastic person, football aside. Can't wait to have a glass of wine with him in a minute. And uh, finally for me, you said that you were running by Mr League um, this season. How much are you looking forward to going into the uh, MK game known as the Bucks Derby? Yeah, the Bucks Derby will be a big one. Um, my boys have actually had another workout tonight, which is a positive for me, so... Um, if the MK Dons players have been settled with their feet up, then uh, hopefully we can be one step ahead of them for Saturday. But um, it will be a tough ask. They're fourth in the league. They're flying at the moment. Um, and it's always a feisty occasion. But um, can't wait to uh, to see where the boys are Thursday to uh, to make sure we have a, a strong outfit at the MK Dons stadium on Saturday. And Robert. Hi, guys. Hi, yeah. There are immense you know I just want to say thank you and hopefully that moment on 22 minutes repays the long drive the ticket prices and the uh, the pandemic where they've been stuck in the houses for a year and not been able to come to watch us in the championship we're trying to give them these little moments that that will pay them back for all their support because I wouldn't be here without them and uh, and neither would the players so yeah thank you so much for your support tonight you saw a lot of goals, unfortunately not all for Wickham, but at least you got one and it was a, it was a splendid moment. Really did put um, the club and, and the town and, and obviously certain players and Gareth as well on the, on the map, if you like. It you. De- yeah, it definitely did. Um, I'm interested to hear what Gareth was then saying about Pep and, and all the, the respect, and I, I'm not dissing Pep in any way, shape or form here, um, but it, it did make me slightly wonder what would happen if you, you, you if they switched roles. You know, if there was a Channel 4 documentary, <laughs> Job Swap. <laughs> you know, and like Pep, Wife Swap. Yeah, exactly. You know, Pep came to us for a season and Gareth went to Man City. Oh, yes. Because I, I think, you know, Gareth would would do just as good a job really um you know he's a phenomenal manager 
Um, whereas I'm not saying that, that managing all of those multi-million pound players is, is easy. I'm sure it's not at all. But it is that sort of thing of, and maybe this is the, the football manager uh, type sort of like part of me speaking here, but you do feel, well, you know, Colin, you or I could probably pick a Man City team that would actually win. Uh, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be too hard. Th- th- that's what you think. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more, obviously, that goes into Pep's yes, job. Yes, yes, he that. makes it look very easy, but, doesn't it? you know, somebody like Gareth Ainsworth, who, who's managed to get Wickham out of uh, League One uh, when they really, really weren't expected to do it and have one of the lowest budgets, I, I do think, well, I wonder who the, the, the better manager is, really. As you mentioned earlier, Adebayak and Fenwell um, started uh, on Tuesday. He was captain as well. He was, yes. He came off to a rousing reception. Uh, these were his thoughts uh, after the game, uh, chatting to Matt. We started off wicked. I guess they showed their quality, but we showed our togetherness. We came here, a bit disappointed that we just kind of ran out of legs at the end. Um, but it's an experience against one of the best teams in the world. They'll know they played us, even though we let in six, but now it's about MK Dons. Let's go. He didn't think we should have lost by quite so many. <laughs> he becomes the second player after Scott Cashkett to slightly swear on the Wickham Wanderers show. I'm really pleasing for Brandon as well. Brandon Handlon, of course, a summer signing from Bristol Rovers. Three-year deal. That must just be amazing as well, to score your, your first Wickham Wanderers goal at the Etihad Stadium to take the lead. Uh, and the wonderful thing was, as well, it was it was facing the Wickham fans uh, because they swapped rounds yes. uh, the, before kickoff, which I think we all slightly booed at and thought, "Oh, that's a bit miserable." But actually, it did mean that we we got to see our goal down our end. Uh, he spoke to Matt uh, after the game as well. When I've come and then scored, like I didn't really realise it was real, but it's happened, and I'm buzzing with it. To be fair, and not much chances you get to score a goal at Etihad. And the celebrations as well was at the right end, wasn't it, with the Wickham fans? I think you changed direction to make sure you went that way, and, yeah. and, and that'll be something you remember as well, making that impact in front of those fans. Yeah, definitely. I think when I've scored, I ran that way, I realised that um, all the fans were on the left side. So, obviously, I'm going to go and celebrate with them because they were unreal tonight as well. Probably wasn't the best goal of the game. Uh, City can play a bit, can't they? Oh, yeah. They've got world-class players up there, do you know what I mean? And It, it was an experience, you know what I'm saying? Like... I was just on the pitch sometimes just admiring what was going on but it was definitely a great experience to be part of. I guess by the time tomorrow comes around on Thursday this will be a bit of a distant blur because all focus is on the league this season getting back into the championship and what better place to, to get you know back into winning ways continue where we left off against Charlton we're going to MK on Saturday. Yeah definitely I think obviously in League One you're not going to come off against a side as good as this so it was definitely a good challenge but the focus is on Saturday and I'm sure all the boys are ready to go again. Just sum up how you found it settling into life here at Wickham. You've been here, what, three, four weeks now, and, and you've made your mark, you've got your goal. Uh, how pleased are you with how you've been settling in? Yeah, I've been, I've been happy here from the first day. All the boys have been welcoming, and I've been getting on with it, to be fair. The gaffer's been good to me, too. So it's just about kind of just getting used to it and getting used to it on the pitch and then start firing. 
It's fantastic to imagine as well what the players must have learned from coming up against such top opposition. Indeed, yes, and particularly given who we're playing on Saturday, uh, you, you do hope so, uh, and you do hope that we, you know, I'm sure we will take that heart and that belief uh, into the game uh, against our franchise friends up north. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, definitely uh, a, 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 an interesting. Uh, uh, <laughs> why did you find that quite so? <laughs> I just like it's a nice way to refer to them. Indeed. Uh, well, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna gonna say nothing else uh, all right uh, you know or possibly even refer to them by name although that's the mistake that afc wimbledon made and then they got terribly fined for it didn't they um so no okay maybe we should refer to them by name <laughs> uh anyway uh yes i, I think uh, a good you know a, a good training match uh before we play our, our friends from franchise <laughs> That sounds American, doesn't it? Yes, it does. They, they well, that's, a, that's why we all got fed up, wasn't it? It's yes, because yes. it is the American model, you know, with all due respect to, to, to the Kuhig family. But and American yes, models. That that strange way that, that you can have the Oakland Raiders suddenly becoming the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, that's, that's what happened with, with, with MK. And, you know, they shouldn't even be called the second bit because that no. belongs to another team. Absolutely. Anyway, um, also, it'd be nice to sort of get your sort of feelings, if you like, coming away from, from the game as well. Because as a fan as well, and going to the Etihad and seeing, you know, literally the Premier League champions take on a team that were in the Championship last season and, and, and are really going places. It was great. It was really, really good. Um, I, you know, at the same time, I think you have to remember we were in the championship last season. Uh, clearly, obviously, the fans weren't allowed in. I was quite lucky in that I did mm. get to go to some of the decent grounds. We probably didn't go to anywhere that was nearly as decent as you know as the the Etihad. Um, it, you know, it's it's better than the Stadium of Light. Um, but it was just great. It was great to see. And uh, you know, as I, I said a short time ago, you you have to then sort of like almost pinch yourself and remember that you know we're playing one of the best teams in mm. the world you know the, the way that manchester city is assembled now it would be like having you know millions and millions and billions of pounds uh, on a game like football manager and just basically being able to buy all the, the, the players you want well that you know that's manchester city that's what they've done um and you know and we, we're okay we we lost 6-1 in the end but we we did go one nil up um and we did you know we survived for a quarter of the game without them actually scoring Still to come on this week's The Wicked Wanderers show. I don't think we mentioned the enough, do we? I, think we I don't even know. You, yeah. We're like the Beatles. <laughs> you have to say the Wicked Wanderers show at the beginning. <laughs> uh, we'll be hearing from Anton Vick's house uh, talking uh, Wicked Wanderers from the 80s and 90s here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Second part of the Wickham Wanderers show. Uh, this week, of course, reports that uh, the club are considering legal action against the relegation with Derby going into administration. Yes. I, I hope we do. <laughs> that could add some extra drama, couldn't it? Indeed, absolutely. And uh, aren't we all very grateful now that it was actually uh, a lawyer who took us over? Absolutely, Thank that's coming handy. That, you know, could it could have been some guy who sold fried chicken or something. No, we got a lawyer. That's just what you need. <laughs> uh, we'll be hearing from uh, Rob Kuig speaking on the Ring in the Blues podcast uh, later on in the show as well. But first, uh, with much gratitude to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, uh, we've been uh, catching up with a former captain in uh, Anton Vick's house who uh, was at Lokes Park in the early 80s and uh, again in the early 90s, uh, as you'll hear. Uh, but uh, this is how he started uh, at, uh, well, as I say, uh, Lokes Park. I actually was uh, playing football for Press Steel in, in, in Oxford in the old league and um, John Maskell used to stand behind the goal and watch me on a Saturday uh, um, and a Sunday morning and um, I didn't know it was John Maskell and then 
he asked me if I wanted to come over for training sessions. John Maskell used to play in goal, obviously, for Wickham and was reserve team manager. So, um, so my first training session at Lokes Park was on January the 10th, 1980, which I, for some reason I just remember that day. So what, what were your first impressions when you arrived? Wickham was quite a prestigious club at that point. Um, it had a good, uh, in non-league football, it had quite a history. And so, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a, a big step for me. And, uh, yeah, I really, really was looking forward to it. Yeah, and I fitted in quite well and I was quite keen. So, uh, yeah, it, it went well, yeah. But first training sessions were good and completely different. And the first team weren't playing so well at that time. And um, I played in reserves and uh, played quite well until the end of the season. And the following season, which would be sort of 81, the beginning of the season, I was, I was in the first team. So uh, it was quite a good progress. So obviously Lopes Park is, is quite, quite well known for its sloping pitch. That must, must have been something which took quite a bit of adapting to. Yeah, well, it was, um, it was... I remember we played Colchester in the FA Cup one year and we beat them 1-0 and I had to go on to the radio and, and do a little, because I was captain, I'd go on the radio and do a little uh, little interview. And I remember saying then that the uh, the pitch actually sloped 11 foot from linesman to linesman. And they said, was there an advantage? And I, and I remember at a time saying that there wasn't an advantage. The only advantage was that all the teams used to, the away teams used to try and play on the top side of the of the of the pitch because it was easier for crossing, and I think it hindered the 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 away team more than us. Yeah, but no, there was no. Yeah, it was, it was great, and it was an old-fashioned ground as well. It's had wooden terraces and things, so it was. Yeah, it was a lovely place to play football when you look back on it. Fantastic as well. Even in those in those days, the level of support as well. It was it was a it was a good good level of support and like I say Wickham were quite a prominent team in that in those days but yeah I forget what the crowds were now I think it was a thousand fifteen hundred but actually if you unfortunately if you I looked it up on Wikipedia Wickham Wanderers and the years between that the I played there between well I played uh, nineteen eighty eight one um, but the, in, in Wikipedia it actually caused those years between 74 and 84 is the loss of purpose is it comes under the heading for that period of time and i do remember the what the club was doing was sort of trying to hang on to the amateur days and not spend any money there wasn't a lot of money around so um the crowds did decline in that period in, in that period of time although the, the team was quite successful we wonder we won in 1983. We won the Ishmian League. Uh, we got to the semi-final, the trophy, which was the first time the club had done that. And it was sort of a time of change at the club because they'd rejected going into the old alliance, which is what the National League now, a couple of times, and then joined the alliance in '85 while I was there, and that was our first season in in what would be the was the goal league at that time and unfortunately the club didn't really favor going into that because of, they didn't want to pay traveling costs and extra expenses that it would it would cause so um 85 we ended up playing in in the, in the alliance but we weren't very successful and we got relegated straight away 
Did it feel like that as players at the time? Did you, did you sort of, in the dressing room, think that these, this will probably be known as the loss of purpose years later on? Um, no, the, the only thing was that the club were sort of, sort of notorious for, for not paying high wages um, and attractive, which, which ultimately attracts better players. There, were, there was a reluctance to spend the money and, and the main reason for not going into the, uh, the, uh, the Alliance League at that time was um, travelling expenses. And I remember we played at Kidderminster on a, on a Wednesday night and we got beat 8-1. But we were short of first-team players because the club wouldn't pay the extra expense for people taking time off work. Um, and so by the end of the season, we, we were relegated, um, which was a shame. And, and after that, the club actually realised they need to get back into that uh, the alliance or the goal league as it was then and so they actually changed and started to spend more money but unfortunately for, for me I liked playing in that higher level and I had the opportunity to go to Cheltenham Town and so um, at the end of that season when we got relegated uh, Cheltenham Town bought me and I, I ended up going playing for sort of four or five seasons in the in the conference or the National League is it now for, for them which was uh, why I left the club actually because of uh, to sort of play better standard of football at that time it was a simple decision to make because you want to play the best football you can play and unfortunately Wickham were going to be going into a lower league and I was going to get more money playing for Cheltenham Town I doubled my money going to play for Cheltenham Town Wickham's 35 miles east of where I lived and Cheltenham Town was 45 miles west of where I lived. So I was in between the two. So I couldn't, So strategically, it was a good move for me to go to Cheltenham Town and not playing for more money, but it does help. And, um, and I was bought by Cheltenham Town for £5,000 at the time, which was quite... <laughs> And that was the, the most Cheltenham Town had ever played for a player. So, wow, your club record signing. I was a club record signing at the time, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Are there any particular games that especially stand out, especially, I guess, in the, in the title-winning side of 83? Um, it, for, 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 for Wickham Wanderers? Yeah. Yeah, in, in 83. Um, no, nothing really stands out other than the last game when we actually won the league. That was a, that was a great feeling. Um, and probably winning that league was a highlight. The prob- no, the highlight would probably get into the semi-final of the trophy uh, in '83 as well, and that was a that was a great run. And that was a, there was a real uh, optimism of getting to the final. And um, we went to Oldfingham and drew one all. Um, and McGarry Lester making a great save to keep us in it. But unfortunately, the replay at Lokes Park. I think the, we, we froze us a little bit. The older players froze a little bit and we didn't play the football we could play. But at the time, Altrincham had something like eight non-league internationals playing in their squad. So it was quite a challenge to get out there and the, they probably played the better football on the second second leg. And unfortunately, we missed out on Wembley, which had been a great occasion. And that was the furthest Wickham had ever got in the trophy at the time in their history. 
No, it's fantastic. And you speak to so many ex-players as well, and something that really stands out is the, the camaraderie among the, the teammates. And I guess you had a, a pretty special group around the time you were there as well. Yeah, we did. When I first joined, there was a lot of senior players, and uh, um, I think they a lot of them came from Loughborough or had connections with Loughborough. There was a connection with Brian Lee and, and Loughborough. So yeah, they were a lot more... They were people to look up to and, uh, and respect. And it was... It was great, and as they left, it got older. The youngster, the more younger players came along, but it was always great fun to play for Wickham, and you look back at it with fond memories. We had some really good managers. Um, Mick King was manager, uh, Paul Bent. Well, they were the, actually the only two managers I played under for, for Wickham. Um, but, yeah, it, it was good. But uh, there was always a little bit of reluctance to pay in the money, and the, um, I think Mike King didn't get the support he deserved a little bit sometimes, but... Yeah, it was very much a money thing at that stage because there was a lot of money and players were getting a lot more money playing elsewhere. Because I guess it's hard to imagine, especially you know where the club is now, that obviously at the time uh, you were all obviously part-time and, and obviously had other, other jobs too. Well, that, that's right. That's what I always think about my football is that my, my work, I, I was running my own business and I was, my work suffered through football and, and football suffered through my, my work. So... Yeah, being part time in those stages, it was it was really it was it was hard to do. But I don't ever remember complaining about it. It was okay to travel travel up to Manchester, Altrincham on a on a Wednesday night, or and uh, or Barrow or somewhere like that, and and get back about two or three in the morning and go to work the next day, and then back in on a Tuesday, back in on a Thursday for training. Yeah, I've always travelled, which was always a bit of a hindrance. I would have loved to have lived in lived in Wickham and still be connected in a in a closer way. And you must have a lot of memories as well, as you say, about the sort of off pitch, kind of behind the scenes sort of relationships with, with your teammates and things like that. Yeah, there was definitely a drinking culture in them days, and um, uh, I always remember probably the highlights of my Wickham career was that we always used to go on tour at the end of the season, and I've often said that. They were the best times of my life going on going on those tours. It was great fun. Twenty blokes all the way together. Used to cost us fifty pounds, and I remember people's players saying, "Oh, I can't afford to go for fifty pounds." I said, "You can't afford not to go for fifty pounds." And we were looked after, and we used to have some great some great times and some really good memories from there. And it must be especially um, enjoyable for you as well, being a central defender as well, because I think, you know, down the years and, and also more recently as well, we can have had some, some, some great stand central defenders who've really sort of stood out and um, enjoyed that role. Yeah, I guess centre-half then, there's always that, you're, you're centre-half, you're centre-midfield and you're, you're centre-forward. Uh, you build around those those players and if you've got some good players in them positions, you're, you're going to go be successful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not for me to say how I played or how good I was. But um, I do think uh, that I always remember that Phil Edmonds, the left-arm spinner for England, the cricketer, he said, the older I get, the better I was. And I don't want to fall into that trap. <laughs> no, definitely. And it must be such, such a great sense of pride as well to be one of one of Wickham's captains. Yeah, I actually, I can remember Captain and Wickham at, at, at 21 years old. And I, I've often wondered, was that the youngest anyone's ever captained Wickham Wanderers so uh, yeah to be a captain I always had something to say and had a big mouth so uh, yeah it was that was the sort of player I was I was was more 
regarded as a blood and guts, I think, than a cultured centre-half. <laughs> and, and how do you overall look back on your, on your time at the club? Oh, fond memories. Well, I was lucky. We, it was always, uh, when I was there, hanging over, that there was always going to be a new pitch and a new ground. And, um, of course, I played for, I went and played for Cheltenham and I had five seasons there. And in 92-93, when Wickham lost out on promotion to uh, the Football League, they, they came level on points with Colchester. 94 points each and Wickham didn't get promoted because of goal difference so I remember that season because at the end of that season when you, Wickham didn't go up they came to Cheltenham Town on a Wednesday night with two games left of the season needing to, to win and uh, of course you don't want to you want to be missed when you when you play against your old side and we, Cheltenham actually won we scored a goal. I scored a goal in the last 10 minutes to beat them 1-0 and actually kept with them in non-league <laughs> and, the, and the interesting thing about that was that because of that goal Martin O'Neill kind of noticed me and uh, he when Glyn Creaser got injured in the 92-93 season um, in that February time Martin O'Neill actually brought me back to Wickham Wanderers and so a bit unexpected because I was 31-32 years old then and um, I helped in the last 10, 10, 15 games to get actually promoted into the Football League. That must have been fantastic as well, to have another sort of spell back at the club and, and to play such a key role like that. Yeah, because I was actually brought back for £10,000, which was quite nice as well. <laughs> and my, my claim to fame on that, as somebody, a friend rang me and said, oh, I can buy you on FIFA 94 for £10,000. <laughs> so that's my little claim to fame. <laughs> But it, no, it was, it was fantastic to play at the, the new ground with a, what was a great team in that in those days. It was a far better team then, and they had some great players and obviously won promotion to the football league. And it was great to play a little cameo role and my ten or fifteen games coming back. I remember the first game back was against Slough, and there was about seven or eight thousand people in the crowd. It was actually full, and that was my, on a Wednesday night, my first game back, and I hadn't even been introduced to the players. So I just walked in the changing rooms and put the shirt on, and we, and we won. I think we won one nil, and Andy Kerr got sent off. So we we won one nil with ten men. So I felt like I did a good job. No, definitely, that must have been fantastic, and, and I guess fans would be interested to know what what sort of happened to you after after your time at Wickham. The reason I left Wickham, I was Martin O'Neill was very good to me and um, offered me a contract when they were in the Football League, which would have been lovely to have had a chance to play in the Football League. But I, we had, we had a, a, a meeting and he offered me the contract. And I, and I, knew, I was 32. I knew I was not going to be prominent in the first team. I would be making up numbers. And I didn't really want to be hanging around. So I said to Martin, really, you should be telling me to get lost. To which he replied, yeah, get lost. <laughs> <laughs> I said thanks very much for all you've done for me you know so it was great to come back and just have that last little fling and and, and be part of the team that, that won, got promoted to the Football League um, but it was time for me to leave so I went and played locally for Whitney and um, yeah, just for a year but um, as you get older the legs go and it becomes, it becomes harder and harder and more disappointing knowing that you could you completely played better standard of football and a better 
at a better level. And I think all my, my biggest motivation was fear of letting people down rather than rather than anything else. And um, I think as you get older, it doesn't become a very nice thing to be playing football when you know you, you've done better things. And you're still keeping busy these days? Yeah, I'm still busy. I still run a heating business. Um, I, I play a bit of golf. And the great thing is about Wickham now is the Ex-Players Association. And we've just been a, a, a thing to keep all the ex-players together. And that, that's been a fantastic sort of thing to be going back to Wickham regularly. And I'd like, to, if I can, a, speci- a special thanks especially to John Taylor and Alan Hutchinson, who um, enable us to relive the best times of our, our lives as footballers. It's a wonderful thing that they do, and I'm sure every ex-player is grateful. They're, they're to me, have, have kept us all young. Uh, it's a great thing to, to, relive your, to relive the best times of your life. And I'd like to say thanks very much to, to John and Alan and the rest of the committee for enabling us to do that. And John and Alan especially are, are really the Wickham Wanderers heroes. Oh, they're really nice words. And as you say, it must be so nice to be able to reflect on, on the great times that you had at the club. Yeah, no, that's, that, like I say, that's the wonderful thing. It's, you know, it is, when you look back in time, they were, when you, when you say about playing for Wickham Wanderers, they were the best times of your life because you're young, you're fit and you're running around and you're never going to be able to do that again. You meet people, you meet friends. And the great thing about the ex-players is you can meet up with people that you haven't seen for 30 years and you've got all got a common bond. And people talk about stories, about when you went on tour and when you played there and when you did this and you did that and you've completely forgotten them. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. So I'm really grateful to John and Ray and the rest of the committee of, of keeping us all involved in the club. And we also get the prestige of what the club are doing at the moment. You know, it's, it's a fantastic the way uh, Gareth Ainsworth run the club and how he's run the team and enable us all to, to live in the prestige of being Wickham Wanderers fans. I've always thought that it doesn't matter whether you've played one game, ten game, or a hundred games for Wickham Wanderers. If you put on that shirt... You were the best of 11 players that Wickham Wanderers could find at that, that moment in time. And I, I think if we've all played a part, everybody that's put that shirt on has played a part throughout history. And uh, it, it's great to be part of that. Really nice words from uh, Anton and fantastic to hear, hear his stories as well. It was really, really nice. Yeah, uh, a big thanks to Ray as well for arranging it. <laughs> Uh, final part of the Wickham Wanderers show on the way next here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. <laughs> Thursday evenings on Wickham Sound. Welcome to what we term the final part of the Wickham Wanderers show, literally, because there's nothing after this. There isn't, that's true. <laughs> This is it. That's it. This is the the best... Well, not the best bit. We've had the best bit, I think, already, haven't we? It's you and I trying to fit into a tiny library. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine us trying to fit into a tiny library? Um, There's uh, there's some breaking Wicked Wondrous news in the last few minutes. Oh, do share it with us. Uh, Indeed. Uh, um, 
Wicker Wanderer's medical team apparently came to the rescue after a car was involved in a collision on the M40 in the early hours of Wednesday. As the team was returning from the Manchester City game, um, they stopped uh, to help. Uh, so club doctor uh, Bob Sanger, uh, head of medical Kieran O'Doherty, or is it Doherty? I'm never quite sure. Um, and the assistant physio as well, Ali, were on board. Uh, and, and they were 100 metres behind the accident when it happened. They rushed to the scene, apparently, tending to the victims before the emergency services arrived. You can tell I'm reading this off. I was going to say, where have you got this news from? Indeed. Um, uh, and even as a chairboy supporter, Tina Davis, was also travelling in the area, pulled over to help direct traffic safely from uh, away from the, the scene of the, the incident. Um, a club spokesman says that everyone at Wickham Wanderers uh, commends the swift actions of the medical team and wishes those involved a speedy recovery. Well done, medical team. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Yeah. I think of them coming back from, from Manchester City and they're all, all a bit tired and whatever and they see something like that and they, they spring into action. Hopefully on a future edition of the show we'll get to speak to one of the medical team. That would be nice. Yes, we, we would like to, you know, we, we do want to extend our, 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 our bit of speaking to the people in the, in the back rooms. Yes, we've, <laughs> well. we've had Will the chef on, haven't we? Indeed, yes. Hey, well, so, um, uh, Mr... Um, Neil Peters. Yes. Yeah. And uh, also um, the uh, Wanderers, Wanderers World Wonder Phenomenon. Oh, yes, they were. We can wonder as Harry Worldwide Gad. Phenomenon. Harry Gadd. Just remembered his name. Yeah, we'll, we'll speak to anyone. We will. Uh, also. <laughs> 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 we can wonder at the club we'll, we'll speak, speak to, to anyone, anyone. Uh, at the club however tenuous your link to the chair boys is well, we'll yeah. speak to you if you're in the car park and happen to see yeah. Bob you, you might well be on a future show if you happen to be involved in the, that accident and we wish you all the very best if you want to be on next week's show then, then <laughs> get in touch with Colin and I yeah TWWS at wickhamsound.org.uk that is, uh, that is a proper email address yeah yeah get in touch with us uh, also uh, we're very uh, pleased to be able to showcase if that's the right word uh, content from Ringing the Blues a we fantastic are. podcast we are very pleased that Ringing the Blues is back as well because obviously Phil has had a bit of a break it's lovely that, that he is now back doing Ringing the Blues again and one of the highlights is, is a very interesting interview with uh, Chairman and uh, owner Rob Kuwig, uh, of course who uh, has been in the news this week uh, with the uh, uh, developments at Derby shall we call them indeed yes uh, this was uh, taken after the Charlton Athletic game uh, when I believe that Phil, Phil starts by asking Rob just what he made of the Derby situation. Well, it's ridiculous. Everybody who understands anything about the business of football knows that they have been unable to pay their bills. They've been supported by uh, Mel and, and at some point he was going to get tired of it and that's what's happened. But when, when you're looking at it and remember this was evident, they had the right to borrow money that the league had set up. The league wouldn't lend them the money because they wouldn't meet the financial criteria. At that point, the league should have stepped up and said, you're done. Uh, you, 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 you can't meet our financial test. Now, that's me because I've got members of the trust calling me now saying, when are we going to sue? When are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? The other side of the coin is it's not set up very well as a league to really supervise people. I saw uh, one of y'all's heroes, Gary Neville, was talking about, oh, we need a government uh, supervisor of this. What we need is for the league to take care of itself and to promptly punish people who are knowingly breaking the rules. If that had happened, we'd be in the championship. And here's what I know, Phil. With our team in the championship, we would have stayed. It's a lot of money at stake between the two divisions. You know that all too well because Wickham were there last season. Yeah. You've alluded to legal action over many interviews since that relegation. Is anything possible here? 
anything's possible here. Between Wickham and the EFL, Wickham and Derby, how does this how does this work? Well, I, it'd be wrong of me to speculate on how it works because that would suggest that I met with lawyers at seven thirty this morning. And a lawyer yourself as well, so you're coming from this from from a, a decent yeah. point of knowledge. I, 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 well, it's a different legal system. It's a, it's a closed system in that it's among league teams against the league and all of that. Uh, the rules are intricate and have to be studied. And there are those who have sort of a cottage industry of knowing league rules. And so I wouldn't presume my sort of 40 years of experience to try in lawsuits successfully uh, to suggest what could happen. So Wickham fans, when this was announced uh, on Friday night with Derby County with their incoming administration and then the, the points that would be coming, what's your message to the Wickham fans about what Rob Kuhick, their chairman, is going to be doing? He's going to be looking at all of our options. He has heard them. He is studying it. And it ain't over till it's over. What's frustrating, though, is after Middleborough, the league knew or should have known that Derby was in real trouble. The league knew or should have known that they had been violating the rules for three to four years. The league knew or should have known that we were being relegated unfairly at that point because under any other circumstance they would have suffered a, at least a two-point penalty we would have stayed up and off we go the failure to properly conduct the affairs has caused this league not just ten, uh, this team not just 10 million pounds for this year but a legacy amount that's probably equivalent the good news is we walked out of there and said we're a championship league team you can see we're dressing up this place as good as any team in the championship league. We are bringing in players, and we're doing it our way, which is not overspending, that can compete in the championship. So we are a championship team that, if called upon, could play there tomorrow. The Football League, as an overseas owner, you'd have had to have done the fit and proper persons test. I mean, you, you, you had to go through quite a rigorous process to get hold of Wickham Wanderers, and now... The tables have turned here a little bit. You're saying, actually, are the EFL fit and proper to run our divisions? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. They are fit and proper. I think that they they allowed certain things to get away from them. Look, I, I, again, I was thinking of the guy who was saying, oh, we got to get another government regulator. You can't stop a guy who's going to hold up a bank by all the rules in the world, you know? It, people will break the rules. What you can do, though, is that you can warn them off by showing swift action. I don't know how Darby survives this. Everybody says, well, they'll just go into administration. Who's, the way you get out of administration is you got to come up with enough money to pay debts, right? Who's going to buy a team where you can't tell them how many points are going to be deducted and when? How do they do anything? Of course, I saw they won today. I mean, it's a remarkable thing that they're hanging together. Uh, all credit to them, but it's wrong what's going on. Fascinating words from Rob, and you can hear, as I say, uh, more of that on uh, Ringing in the Blues uh, on the podcast with Phil, and uh, many thanks uh, to him as well uh, for that fantastic interview. You can really hear the lawyer in mm. Rob Kuhick, can't you? You can, you can see him sort of pictured in some American drama, so, you know, in the courtroom, where, when he was sort of going over the same point again and mm. again, trying to persuade those 12 people of the jury. De definitely. <laughs> you know, he, he had me come, you know, straight away. I can, you know, do I want to convict Derby County? Uh, well, if I didn't before, I definitely did after listening to that. So they're currently on minus two points, but they could face further points deductions as well. Yes, uh, which, which I can't really recall happening 
the previously that the, a team then has, has been deducted points and then gets deducted more points in the same season. No, because they're under a transfer embargo and also sort of the financial irregularities as well as the obviously the, it's, it's it's quite strange when you sort of pick it apart and sort of dig into it. But it is, uh, and then you look at the table and you you slightly see how badly teams like Nottingham Forest are doing as well, and you think well, mm. that's, you know if they don't get deducted more points, there still might be a small chance that they might manage to escape. It just sounds a bit sort of Sheffield Wednesday all over again, doesn't it? It, it does slightly, and of course you know we we obviously had experience of that last um, season and what I mean about you don't often seem to get points deducted and then more points deducted of course with Sheffield Wednesday it went the other way of course and they, had six they got points their points re- back exactly six points restored which didn't make any difference in the end but and you can't imagine that happening with Derby either no not not you know not really but it does make you appreciate sort of the value of, of, of football clubs really as well especially when you consider you know Wickham being quite close to, to going out of business themselves yeah oh completely um, I mean, when Rob then says about, you know, who who would take over Derby, at the same time you do think, well, I, I can imagine that there would still be a mm. few interested parties. Uh, you know, it's a nice ground, Pride Park. It's, you know, a, a decent team. Um, High-profile manager When you currently. look at, you know, some of the other teams that maybe have, have gone by the wayside in recent years, which is a terrible thing, but I can I can more understand why maybe uh, a businessman wasn't interested in, in rescuing Berry or rescuing Macclesfield. I think some people still might have their eye on Derby and think, oh, yeah, 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 could, you know, could turn this into a, a going concern. Absolutely. You uh, said that like you were. Oh, no, no, no definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely not interested. I've been looking at Derby. I've been looking at Derby and thinking, hmm. So MK Don's next. Yes, indeed. Our friends up the road. A Bucks Derby. Uh, a Bucks Derby uh, against our, our franchise foes. Uh, they're doing rather well yes. as well, I'm afraid to say. They haven't lost since the 14th of August uh, when they lost 2-1 at home to Sunderland. Uh, since then, their record has been rather good. Um... But only a point ahead in the table. But exactly. And have played the game that's, more. That's what I was going to say. So they, they've played eight games. They've won four. They've drawn three. They've lost one so far this season, which puts them third in the table with 15 points. Uh, we're currently uh, fifth with 14 points. But as you say, we have played a game less. And Wickham as well, obviously, only suffering one league defeat so far, and that was against the current league leaders. Indeed, yes, absolutely. So, so uh, again, there is still, you know, I, I think the, there is a, a good chance on Saturday. I um, hope so, anyway. And before we speak again as well, we'll, we'll, we'll have played Shrewsbury as well. Indeed, yes. Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury. Uh, You're going to that as well? Uh, I'm going to that one as well, yes. Uh, you know, I th- They're really struggling as well. Yes. 23rd currently in the division uh, with only five points. So, again, you would hope that, that we could pick up some points there. Um, but obviously, yeah, it, at the moment it is all about Saturday, um, you know, and that's been the, the theme really, hasn't it, for, for the whole of the week or certainly leading up to the Man City game. It was very much actually, well, it's about the league this season. Oh, definitely. Uh, which is fantastic. You know, that's, that's brilliant to hear that actually we were thinking that. Um, and yes, OK, you know, we, we did play a decent side, I felt, against Manchester City, but clearly there were a few players that you might have thought may have played that actually I think we're probably saving. Uh, Gareth McCleary definitely being on that list. And it would need other results to go away, of course, but we could end the day top of the table. You'd never know. You know, that, that would be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be a bit of a fillet to the week. Absolutely, yes. Played Manchester City, ended top of the table. Uh, ended, ended top of the table. And perhaps said some nice things about us as well. Yeah, absolutely. But you're not really going to say nasty things, are you? No, that's true. You don't hear that of managers, do you? No. Oh, yeah, we played Wickham, they weren't very good. You know, they, they don't say that, do they? Join us at the or same time. they do if they were Peterborough. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, join us at the same time next week.